Amen. Uh, thank you for that. That was very good. Uh, let's open our Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We're going to begin reading in verse 35. And we'll read responsively through verse 38. Luke chapter 22. And verse 35. And shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's uh, eternal word, the, the old King James. Amen. Amen. Uh, Luke 22, verse 35. And he said unto them, When I send you without purse and scrip and shoes, lack ye anything? And they said nothing. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath the purse, let him take it, and likewise his scrip. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that is written must be yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, It is enough. So if you look at the end of verse 36, it says, And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Amen. So I'm going to speak to you on that subject this morning. Buy a sword. By a sword. Very, very important. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message. We yield to your Holy Spirit and pray that he would direct us as to what to say, how to say it. That you'd give us uh, power to preach and to hear the word. We'd understand the commandment to buy a sword. May we know the principle in our life. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Uh, I believe what I'm going to say today is life-changing. I know that because it changed my life. It's a principle. So doctrinally, this does not apply to us. When you study the Bible and you rightly divide the word of truth, there are dispensations. And a dispensation is a period of time in which God made a covenant with his people and he deals with them under that covenant for a period of time. So the doctrine is the teaching of dispensational significance. Uh, so this pertains to the apostles. Uh, during the earthly ministry of Christ and right after that, that time of transition between the law and grace, uh, but in every dispensation, there is a very significant spiritual application of the truth. So this does apply to us spiritually. I'd ask that you listen very carefully. If you go back to Matthew 10, this is what he's referring to. He chose 12. Uh, he sent them out two by two. That's listed in the book of Mark. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. He gave them power to heal sickness and disease. He told them, go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Don't go to the Gentiles. And then he told them what to say. They were to preach that the kingdom is at hand. And if these people would receive them into their house, he said, your blessing would come upon that house. Bless the house. If they reject 
It is not you the rejecting, it's me the rejecting in you. He said, knock the dust off your feet as a witness of testimony against them. I try to do that. I did it yesterday. This woman told us, I don't know what she said. Uh, you're, we don't want to hear it. Something like, I said, all righty. See that right there? Uh, I do it every time if, if I can remember. But uh, the, the, and then he said, this didn't cost you anything. Freely as you have received, freely give. Uh, we have received the gift of eternal life. We freely have received, freely give. So you have that principle. Um, one time I, I wrote a little booklet. I don't even know if it's still around. It says something like, so you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior. What do you do next? That's very important. You know, what do you do? Get a Bible, King James, obviously. What do you do? Start a prayer life. Leave the old crowd. Uh, separate from the world. And then start telling others about Christ. What should you do? Well, I think a lot of times we, it's so simple, but yet so profound. What should we do? Buy a sword. Buy a sword. Now, let me give you the background of this because at this time, the apostles, even they, did not have the awareness because the Holy Spirit was not given yet. They did not discern spiritually that Jesus was preparing for the sufferings of the cross. And that's what this verse is referring to there in verse 37. So he's just established the Lord's Supper. They just observed it. He's just said to Judas Iscariot, What thou doest, do quickly. He dips the sop, gives unto him. Satan enters in earlier. He had betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. The plot had been set. And this is the, notice this, the last communication with his disciples, noted in the book of Luke, uh, before he goes to the Mount of Olives and is betrayed and then soon to be crucified. So this communication is vital, is significant, and we shouldn't miss it. And so he asked them, when I sent you out the first time, he said, I didn't tell you to take your purse with you. Don't worry about money. I will we'll provide. The laborer is worthy of his hire. He said, and I didn't tell you to take script, which is writing. Uh, remember, at, there's a, several places where it says, take no thought of what you'll say. The Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind. Brother Roloff was good with that. Most of the time he didn't have notes. Uh, but, uh, you know, just open your mouth. You'd be surprised if you yield to the Holy Spirit. God will lead you as to what to say. So don't take a purse. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about notes or writing or scriptures. And then he said, but this time it has changed. So this is a transition or phase within the transition. First time, don't worry about money. Don't worry about scriptures. Uh, now, though, take some money. You have a responsibility to get money. Things are changing. And 
you have a responsibility to get your notes in the scriptures, the writings, take some writings. And then he says, if you don't have a sword, you need to buy one. This is so important. And it is Mark 6, 7, where he sent them out two by two. So things are beginning to change within the change. We all go through this transitions, um, stepping stones. So they're not to worry about certain things, but, and he told them, don't take two coats. Now remember, they had an undercoat and an overcoat. There are uh, teachings about that. And he said, don't worry about shoes or staves, which is your walking stick. Um, he said, don't really worry about that. But in this transition, he would still provide for them miraculously. But they had certain responsibilities that they had to fulfill. They now were accountable, get a purse, which means your money bag, your wallet for the men. Um, get the scriptures, the script, and whatever you do, buy a sword. Now, we'll look at this later in detail. How were they to get a sword? Sell their garment. He didn't say sell something at home, piece of furniture or whatever. He didn't say have a garage sale and sell your extra whatever. No, he said you have an extra garment. You buy, the, you sell that. And then when you sell that, you go buy um, a sword. So one of them said, well, here are two swords. And he said, it is enough. Now, this is misunderstood that he's saying two swords are enough. He wasn't saying two swords are enough because each man had to have his own sword. At that time, there were 12. Judas would betray him. He'd be replaced later on that the scripture would be fulfilled. But what this is referring to is still at this time, they did not have the spiritual discernment to understand the suffering of the cross. And I, he was taught, he said, it is enough uh, you'll understand this later on. So when we're dealing with people, just say this by, by passing, you know, sometimes you'll know, can they handle it or not? I think we've discussed this subject enough. You know, and the, oh, it's enough. They can't comprehend this yet. That, so it is enough. It, it wasn't talking about two swords is enough for 12 men. Every man needs his own sword. So... We know what happened later on. Peter in the garden impetuously takes out his sword. Peter had one. Now, we're not advocating violence. We know that. Um, but Peter, he tried to take this guy's head off. Malcolm, the high priest servant. And I always say he went for the decapitation this way and he ducked so it took his ear off like that. Or he was going for the complete cranium chop or to break the, you know, the collarbone. And he went like that and he cut his ear off this way. But he was going for it. He was going for the, for the cut. Now, I, this is just food for thought. Uh, there's two types of sword. You don't have the meat cleaver, which is hacking like a broadsword where you use mainly your shoulder and your elbow. You know, I think Peter used the sword in the wrong way. Peter 
should have used it like a two-edged sword. And the two-edged sword is controlled by your wrist and your fingers this way. And the hacking meat cleaver broadsword is controlled by your chest muscle and your elbow like that. He tried to um, obliterate him. But it, what is the context of this? Provision and protection. How is God going to protect his people and provide for his people as they obey the Great Commission, go out two by two and preach the gospel? And this ought to be our whole lifestyle, not just something we do occasionally or once a week. Because Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So if you're a fisher of men, a soul winner, then you have to have money and you have to have some type of education or to remind you of the notes, the script, but you have to have a sword. So he told them, go buy one, buy your own sword. Now, we, we've always heard the saying, God provides for those who provide for themselves. God will take care of those who work for themselves. That's true. It is true. You have to do your responsibility. Except the, the, the watchman watcheth in vain, except the Lord protect, or the, the builder buildeth in vain, except the Lord build the house. You have to have both. But sometimes God provides for the destitute. When you have absolutely nothing and no one to help you, God always provides for his own. So in this principle of the manna falling from heaven daily, except on the Sabbath, when he provided for Israel in the wilderness wanderings, he's telling them, don't over prepare you know and i think you know and i believe in some preparation you may be a doomsday prepper and all that i know there's certain things we need to store up i know that but at the same time you can't over prepare i fully believe god would make man a fall god's going to provide some way somehow i don't know how but some way somehow he's going to provide and so he says if you have two coats how many do you really need one. How many garments do we really need? One. So um, we'll look at this. What is the principle? But he said, go sell one of them because you don't have a sword. You need a sword, not two garments. You need one sword, not two garments. So this is very, very important. Remember, even Paul had to make tents. When the Corinthian church was selfish and didn't give, they muzzled the ox that treaded the corn. They, they didn't know what it meant to give. Other churches were given to other churches because they knew the principle. But this is crucial to making it victoriously in the Christian life after we're saved. What do you need to do? Well, you got to have money. you got to have a purse. And you got to have knowledge and education you need the script but you don't need two garments you've got to have a garment to cover your nakedness and you need a sword why is it that very few church members really lived a victorious life they did not obey christ and buy a sword 
Why is it that most people who make a profession, it's very shallow, very fleeting, never comes to fruitfulness? I'll tell you why. They didn't buy a sword. You know, we're talking about this. You know, we have gun collectors. How many trigger fingers do you have? Imagine pulling 10 tri triggers at a time. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know. But how many do you really need? So, and I know you need a backup. And you need one in different areas. Because it's fire and move. Fire. I know the principles of some things in war. Fire and move. You got to have them in different places. So, but why is it that most people are lacking? It's because this is a principle. So you have received Christ as your Savior. What should you do next? You can't just sit there. You cannot be negligent and do nothing. You cannot ignore these commandments. These are not suggestions. So, remember in biblical times, yet we always have to look at culture. A garment was very, very expensive. Remember when Samson and his riddle, and he, he was wealthy, and they would gamble for garments. Remember when Jesus said about John the Baptist, he was roughly clothed. People who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Um, people back then, if they had one good garment, they were happy. Only the wealthy, wealthy people had several changes of clothes. And people, you know, we think about, oh, you got a new dress, or is that a new whatever? And, you know, today we even say that, but we take it for granted a lot of times because we have the Industrial Revolution. We have all kinds of clothes laying around. We can't even give clothes away sometimes. Sometimes you have very nice clothes. You can't even have a garage sale and give it to somebody um, but back then, if they had two garments, think about that. He said, you only need one, why? To cover your nakedness. And so he said, take, which, and remember, a garment was probably the second most valuable thing. He said, take the most valuable thing in our culture, and you go sell that. And when you sell it, buy, what did he say to buy? A sword. Now, how many people do this? Very few. Very few. What is the most important thing in your life? Your sword. Your sword. What is the most significant thing that will determine success or failure, defeat or total victory? Will you buy a sword? Now, this is the principle of trading. You have something valuable. You want something else that's valuable. How are you going to get it? Well, you go sell what you have and buy something else. You know, a lot of people, they, they blind themselves to opportunities because they don't have cash. They don't have cash. Remember, buy, sell, or trade. That's what all good traders say. I'll buy it from you. I'll sell it. Or you can trade, partial trade, cash trade, whatever it is. A lot of people blind themselves to their capital, their assets. We all have valuable things just sitting around that we don't really need it and we don't use it that much. Why can't you go sell that 
Buy something more important. That's what Jesus is saying. Sell a garment, buy a sword. Now, this word buy, you know, I looked it up. What does it mean? It means what you think it would. Go to the market, go to the town square, make a purchase. Go, how are you going to do that? Because a lot of people won't take a trade. You know, that would work. Go into HEB and say, hey, I've got this pair of shoes. I'd like to trade this for three boxes of cereal and uh, probably not going to go over very well. But you can go sell it, find somebody who will buy it, who values it, and then take that money and go buy a sword. That's what he's saying. So this is life. This is trading. What do you have in your life to sell? You've got your life. You've got your thoughts, your affections of your heart, the motives of why you do what you do, your aspirations, your dreams, your fantasies. You have the energy of your very soul, the spirit of your life that you choose with free will to live your life a certain way or another way. Your values, your priorities, your principles. That's what you have. Now, when you study this word garment, it's a cloak. This is a cloak. And not in a good way. This garment is covering up this facade that you project of yourself. This, you know how many, you know, I, I have other sayings I can't say that now, but you know how people think if they dress a certain way or project them a certain way in society, in, in different aspects of society, they can deceive a lot of people. They can con. It's like a drugstore cowboy. You know, you can put on a hat and some boots and you never ro roped a calf in your life. Uh, but anyway, uh, got bucked off by one. But you can project, hey, that guy's a cowboy. And then if you get your skull circle working in the back pocket, they'll think, man, he, uh, whatever you do, don't swallow it at the first. But no, don't do it ever. But, uh, when I was a kid, Walt Garrison was the fullback for the Cowboys, and he was a, he was a real bull rider. And this guy was tough; his teeth were knocked out. And he said, "Take a little pinch between your cheek and gum." You know, that's why they, they get so much they got to pull it out. And then it's then your uncle knocks over the spit cup in the feed truck in the pasture. That was one of my funniest things to watch in Oklahoma, all over the dashboard. But, how did I get on that? Oh, so, the, uh, you got a, it's a projection. You know, are you, you put on a suit to cut, did you really, is that who you are? Or are you trying to project an image? You wear a certain thing, are you trying to project an image to convince somebody of something you're not? Or is that the real you? This is a cloak of a covering and what Jesus is saying is that facade that you built up since you were born as a coping mechanism that you're dealing with all of the trauma of the competition of your life from the time of birth till this point. He says, you go sell that garment, that fake you, the you that you try to impress other people. 
and fit in to certain places in society and you sell the fake you which is not the real you and you go buy a sword you say well how am I going to buy a sword those are very expensive well you've got a garment that doesn't matter and it's not even the real you like in Oklahoma when you get one of them wild cowboy shirts they, they say that's loud and, and my uncle would tell some of you know, you're, you're showing out. No, they don't show off, they show out. <laughs> you're showing out, that's loud. And uh, but anyway, trying to draw attention. You know, when they walk in the room, look how bright I am, look at me. I have on bright clothes. Everybody ought to look at me. Uh, why would somebody do that? So, look at some principles that deal with this. First of all, this is a commandment, not a suggestion. Sell your garment, buy a sword. Most people haven't done that. They're still a fake. They're still putting on a show, trying to fit in. So number two, this is for self-defense. And then number three, attack. Now, I know that there's a, we, we believe in love, peace. We, we're not advocating violence whatsoever, but you're not a good Christian if you don't defend yourself. And you're not a good Christian if you don't know when to attack the attack. That's a whole other subject. And you're not a, they, they had a survey the other day of how many millennials would fight back if we got invaded like Ukraine. It was like 60% said they'll run. I mean, this is what we're dealing with. You better buy a sword. You better buy a sword. You got Venezuela down there. You got some corrupt dictator cartels down there. How do we know what's going to happen? You know, we have the right to bear arms, self-defense uh, so far. Now, it's a commandment, self-defense. Now, what does this mean, though, in the Bible? Hebrews 4.12. The word of God, God is a sharp, sharper than a two-edged sword. We know the Bible is the sword, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. We know that. Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth and sell it not. You have to buy the truth, very expensive. You sell it dirt cheap. You have to be very careful. So you say, uh, well, I just can't learn the Bible. I'm not educated. I'm not sophisticated. I don't like to read or all these excuses. That's just not my personality. I don't care what it is. Buy a sword. You don't get a pass because you'd rather look at cartoons than read. You don't get a pass because you'd rather look at a motion picture or read the, the eternal word of God. Buy a sword. If you look at all those people, the used-to-be's, the has-been's, the wannabe's, they get blown around like chaff by the wind. I'll guarantee you, they never sold the garment to buy the sword. They never sold the fake. They're still out there with their hat on backwards and the two-pound weight in the seat of their pants. and You know. Uh, they're still out there. You know why? They didn't sell that garment. They didn't buy a sword. So... This is spiritual warfare. We're not talking literal violence, though that could come into play. 
But we're talking about spiritual warfare. Now, the old sinful you, the facade, the coping mechanism that you set up, the false egos, we call it, of what the Bible calls it, pride, of this garment you put on. You know, there, there's some people, when they go shopping, they know their personality and the fit and what they like and said this, you know. And there's some people who go shopping on how they can trick somebody, how they can impress somebody, how they can show off. So, say several things just in passing. Number one, you have to sell the garment. A little bit redundant. Number two, you have to buy the sword. The truth of the Word of God, that He's magnified His Word above His own name. Right. Number three, you have to own the sword. It has to be your sword. You have to claim it and hold it in your hand. I love that verse that the, His hand claved to the sword. Hand claved. And then number four, you have to use it. Now, I would use the illustration of a, a weapon. If you buy a weapon and you don't even know how to load it, what good is it? If you have a weapon but you don't have the ammunition, what good is it? If you don't know how to work the action and know what the clip and know the, the, the mechanism, what good is it? Well, I got five guns. Really, what caliber? I don't know. And really, I, I, I think I'm out of bamboo on those three. And by the way, I've never shot that one. What good's that going to do you? You have to own it, and you have to use it. Amen. So in this buying the sword, it doesn't mean you bought a sword and hung it on the wall. doesn't mean you bought a sword and hid it in a safe. doesn't mean you bought a sword and just put it in the corner of a closet. It's your sword. So what good is a sword if you cannot wield it skillfully? And he did not say, this guy's good at swordmanship, he'll defend you. No, he said, you sell your garment and you buy your own sword and you learn how to use your own sword. Very important. So there's uh, several aspects of, of this. First of all, training. Now, in, in China, there's a saying, there are enemies of the sword enemies. You say, what's the enemy of the sword? Well, another sword. Uh, but the other one is blood. Another one is sweat, perspiration. Another is oil because it will deteriorate the, the dragon well um, uh, and the work that's done on the sword. Enemies of the sword. If you don't know what the hilt is and, how long, and the balance point of a sword, how can you use a sword if you don't even know the balance point? How can you use a sword if you don't even know where to put your hand on the handle? So you have to wield it and spend time so that it's an extension of your arm. That's the whole purpose of a sword. So just as you point your finger, you're pointing the sword. So then you need to know the techniques of swordmanship. What good is a sword if you don't know what a parry is or a circle or a prick or a cut or whatever? How can... This is where we're at. There's people in this room. Well, I got a Bible. Yeah, you don't know the first thing what's in it. Be honest. Yeah, it's got dust on the cover. Oh, I got a I got a sword. I got like four of them. You know, I got one in my nightstand. I got 
I got ten in my office. I got one in the living room. I got two in my truck. I, I got, I don't know how many. I got a lot of What good does it do if you don't know what's in it? What good does it do if you don't know how to apply the wisdom of God and the truth to different situations? So you have to train it. Secondly, you've got to sharpen it. What good is a dull sword? It's not any good. I mean, you could hack it. Blunt force trauma. <laughs> you do blunt force trauma. What good is a sword that's not razor sharp? you got to sharpen it up. Now, I know that as the countenance of a man's friend will sharpen it iron to iron. Uh, what does the Bible say? He shall whet his glittering sword. At the second coming, Christ is sharpening that two-edged sword. Sharpen it up. Uh, you have to have your senses discerning by exercising. You have to exercise. Use it. All right? So... What does that mean? you got to read it, study it, memorize it, ask questions. And then when a situation arises, say, what in the sword can I use skilled willfully to apply to this situation? And there is a principle for every situation we face, no matter what it is. In this book, if you know how to use the sword. Now, you know what a lot of people do? They turn the two-edged sword of the circle and the fingers into a big old meat cleaver and they just start hacking. <laughs> you know, they just start hacking. And, and, and that's what, if, if they use it, that's the way they, that's like the militant, uh, usually independent Baptist guy. No mercy, no compassion. Just start wailing away, hacking. Um, so, what does the Bible tell us? Let's look at this, and we know where this is, but Hebrews 4, 12. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom... We have to do. So, in the spiritual warfare, what is the purpose of the sharp sword that pierces and then you use your wrist? You know, we've told stories that there were ancient uh, swordsmen that could fake an assassination. They could pierce a body and not hit a vital organ, and they would, and they just pull it out. And they, they knew how to do this, and they would fake assassinations and things. But if they wanted to kill you. You know, under the fifth rib, the old livers were there. Uh, they'd just get you with that, too. Um, but what is the purpose? Number one, to pierce. It, it pricks, right? We have our heart pricked, our conscience, by the Holy Spirit. Not slammed with a meat coater. Not a, not a meat cover that'll chop bone, you know, with a big old backbone on it. No, you pierce. And you slice. You slice and you pierce. And then what is it for? To discern between your own thoughts and your own intents. Am I thinking right? Is my motive right? 
And then the joints and the marrow. You know, a lot of people, they just start hacking with that meat cutter. They think they're real spiritual. They, they're using the sword. They're just hacking with it. I've seen it all the time. Um, now, what, what's significant about this? Life or death? Spiritual life or death? Like Brother James taught, being in the light or living in the dark. Having the total victory or being utterly defeated. Reaching your potential for Christ or just getting by in mediocrity. You say, how could I buy some? By the truth, John 6, 63, the words I speak unto them, they are spirit and they are life. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. By the truth, sell it not. Sell a garment by the truth. Now, so I'm through. I have a question. Are you wearing a garment that's not you? Is that really you? This, this projection of yourself with, with the boys or, you know, the, the guys on the job or after work or let's do lunch or whatever it is. This image of projection, are you true to the you God made you to be or do you have a garment you need to sell? Nothing but a fake. You don't really need it. You don't need it. Very expensive. You know why? Spent a lot of money and time in life to build up that image. Spent decades, maybe, to project an image of this is who and what you are. Trying to coerce or manipulate, possibly, I don't know. But sell it. Sell it. You know, and I just learned this a long time ago. I'm not saying I'm arrived or perfect. That's the first thing I did. I changed my hairdo. Hairdo. My hairstyle, got rid of all my old paraphernalia, and that's not necessarily related to drugs. It can relate to any other things. Got rid of anything that reminded me of that image. And anything I saw that reminded me of that, I said, I can't have that. That's, I have to sell that garment. I need to buy a sword. I need to get rid of that. That no longer is the garment I will wear in public. And then, are you buying a sword? You know, between you and God, how much time do you spend in the Bible? How much do you love the Bible? How much do you delight in His Word? How much do you meditate on it day and night? Do you think about it when you're going to sleep, when you're dreaming, when you wake up? When a situation arises, are you asking, what Bible principle applies to this that I can wield the sword? Do I need to parry here? Do I need to block? Do I need to redirect? Do I need to circle? Or do I need to thrust? Or do I need to, what do I need to do with this sword? What do I need to do with this sword in this situation? And you're never going to do that if you don't practice. Well, I got, I got a brand new Bible. Yeah, that's the problem. It's brand new. That thing ought to have grease and coffee and whatever you all over it. And you ought to write a, someone, was that, hey, just look, look at the dirt on your hand and look at your Bible and you'll see if you're using that thing. Amen. A brand new sword is tar, it's brass, polished, nice. Look at, 
look at the wear use and the tarnish, the oxidation building up, the scratches, you know, the dings, you know. Uh, buy a sword. I'm telling you, it changed your whole life. All right, let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. I'd ask that no one was, is leaving. No one is looking around. I want you to think about this truth. God's going to take care of us, praise the Lord. You have your purse. That's your money. You have your script, your writings, your education, your whatever it is, documents, your Bible studies you've written down, the notes you've taken, the script. But we all had that garment. And you can sell that garment and come home to whom you really are. And you know what you can do with that garment? A fake facade, a projection, a pride. Buy the sword. Buy a sword. And praise the Lord. You can buy the truth and sell it not. And God has preserved His Word in the King James Bible that is eternal, infallible, the Word of God. Think about that. Now, no one's looking. Just ask you a couple questions. Number one, could it be there's someone here who's trying to project an image to fit in to a certain crowd, a certain sector of society? And if you had to admit, you're getting pricked by that sword that you projected an image. Would you be honest enough to admit that with yourself and admit it to God? No one's looking but me. Would you raise your hand? Amen. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for your, your honesty. Now, sell it. Just sell that garment. Sell it. It's very expensive, very costly. What are you going to do? Buy the sword. Now, the old, the old King James, the eternal word of God. Second question, will you make a commitment today to spend more time in it, ask God to help you love it, ask God to remind you of it, and ask the Lord to help you to ask the question when in a situation, what's the technique or principle from the Bible that I can apply to this situation? Rather than just acting quickly, and rather than just doing sometimes like Peter and turning it into a cleaver and start chopping away, what is the real wisdom? Would you raise your hand? All right, I got both of mine up. Amen. All right, um, we're glad you're here today. One more question. If you were to die right now, do you know 100% that you'd go to heaven? Do you know 100% you'd go to heaven or do you have doubts about it? If you know for sure you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, would you please raise your hand to testify Thank you very much. You can put your hands down.